Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com. And use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, EndoDecoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, EndoAligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Welcome to a new episode of Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain the marijuana laws so that you can change them. Today, we have a whisperer, but we're also going to be talking about a lot of federal legalization news, especially the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act that has been added an extra like 96 pages of stuff that are into it now. So, you know, welcome. It's Cannabis Legalization News, even though we have broccoli as our symbol now. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hey. Good, good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing all right. Don't forget the likes, the shares, the subscribes, and the big shout out to the members. Some people actually pay uh, Cannabis Legalization News to be on the air, and we really support them and thank them and glad when they tune in. Uh, so, Daniel, uh, I hear that you can whisper to Terps. Yes, so it's, uh, so it's been said. Um, yeah, you know, for me, uh, quality is of the utmost importance in cannabis. You don't, cannabis is always medicine. And so um, yep. you don't know who the end user is gonna be. And so, you know, ensuring quality along every step of the way is something that I just really care about. Daniel, That's can great. you explain what a terp is to layman? A terp is not a, uh, a trichome, right? Or is it? So it's, uh, uh, terpenes are within the trichome. So, um, as you know, like the can cannabis is, you know, all covered with that nice frosty goodness, which uh, is what we get, uh, you know, our medicine from. And so, yeah, basically ever all the cannabinoids, all the terpenes are located within that beautiful trichome head. Nice. Yes, uh, that, that's fantastic. And so let's, you know, we'll, we'll get back to that throughout the episode. We'll talk about the terps and also the trichomes and how the cannabinoids are all made on the bracts. But uh have you seen the new bill that came out last week? I mean, uh, Schumer finally relaunched it. And it's our lead story of the week uh, is this, you know, you know, the Senate is finally holding a hearing. On Tuesday, they held a committee hearing on marijuana legalization for the first time in the nation's history. Of 
course, they've taken no action, but at least it's in committee now. Uh, we've watched on this channel um, the MORE Act pass Congress so many times, and we're just kind of like, you know, numb to that aspect of it. But now it looks like the Senate's moving. Uh, uh, are you on a license out west or where are you located? So I'm out in uh, Phoenix right now. I'm working with uh, Shango. So okay. we're in uh, five different states, but I'm focusing on uh, Arizona right now. Awesome. Are you, are you guys running uh, premium indoor light ups? What are you doing? Yep, yep. We've got uh, some premium indoor flower going right now. Um, just putting our last room online. Um, once we kind of fill, finish out our build out, we have R and D facility up in Oregon, and we've got we've been testing a bunch of LED lights. So we'll be switching over from our HPS over to much more environmentally friendly LEDs. Wow, That's great. interesting, though. Like you guys are able to do R and D type because Shango is a MSO. It's a multi-state oh. in Cal. Started in California, right? And I didn't know they uh, were in Oregon. Oregon. Yep. Oh, they did in Oregon. Okay. Yep. Yeah, neat. Coca Cola is an MSO. You know, just just saying. It's, it's but it's legal to sell Coca Cola federally, and maybe it will be now that the Cannabis Administration and Justice Act. So, like, do you see at work a lot of? the issues that come up with it just being this hodgepodge it's like europe before the euro or the confederacy before the constitution for us uh, do you notice like the operating in arizona may be more tricky and challenging than operating in oregon or maybe vice versa and then where else is chango in yeah definitely so um chango's in uh oregon california nevada arizona and michigan and so wow. definitely different compliance laws in all those states. Uh, personally, I've worked in Nevada, uh, Virginia, and um, Arizona within the uh, uh, legal markets here. So, um, yeah, it's each one is very different in Virginia, especially. I mean, they're they were being overseen by the uh, the Board of Pharmacy, but I, I know that's kind of in transition. I've kind of uh, lost uh, touch with more specifics of that but um yeah you know um it, it's it's you have to be adaptable um there's certain um you know if you're going for multi-state operations you know going for that iso standard trying to just yeah. be the best you can be and yeah. just you know hoping for one day that the legalization goes down so when that happens you're ready to mm -hmm. um you know your compliance wise, you, you can check all the boxes and just continue yeah. operations. Yeah, I want to give shouts out to a couple of clients that just got some licenses themselves, a dispensary in New Jersey and then um, a, a grow in Connecticut. And so you're going to see all these these new operators coming online and there's not a lot of standardization, which I thought was pretty interesting that this this bill and I have it up here as well. I might want to put this I'm, right now. I'm going to put it into the live feed because a lot of people are tuning in. And if you're here for the first time, don't forget to like and subscribe and then oh, check please. out our how to cannabis section. But there's our uh, there's a link to this. It's the C.A.O.A. as filed. And so you can dig into it. But um it's about 296 pages and a lot of it has to do with well not a lot of it but some of it does actually have to do with uh the standardization the workplace health and safety provisions are probably where a lot of those are uh, finding regarding employees in the cannabis industry recommended practices workplace impact of cannabis legalization uh, a lot of kind of what happened in Canada where they kind of said they mandated GMP practices and uh, that may be coming 
to the operational aspects. And so um, if you're already up and going, it's a lot easier. But if you're just getting started up, what recommendations would you give to a grower that just got their license? And I would, I would really start just, you know, trying to connect with people that have that quality and compliance background. Um, and um, certainly this is one area where I would say drawing people from other industries is really important. Um, just having people from like the pharmaceutical and uh, dairy brewing industries coming on board, um, just people with that experience going through those processes, those audits, and just being able to tap on them for advice while you're building out your uh, quality management systems, which is another point. Um, you know, a lot of big operators they don't they don't have SOPs, they don't have procedures in place to kind of wow. Those. I can't believe yeah. big operators wouldn't have SOPs. It's just like one of those deals where you're like, you got to be kidding me. No way. But uh, shout out to Teflon Don uh, for throwing us five bucks. He says, let's legalize Tennessee. I'm tired of losing good paying jobs for smoking. And, you know, amen to that. But yeah. uh, for the people that aren't, you know, watching on the YouTubes and the Internet, social medias and whatnot, uh, you can also find us on our podcast. Cannabis Legalization News. Damn, I, the SOP thing is such a, you know, because this is what I do is for a living. I work in quality and, uh, uh, you know, it's so boring. But I think you brought up a great point, though, of like people in other industries need to be involved. And it's kind of hard and, and weird to say, right? Like we're, we're talking about a cannabis industry, uh, an industry that is a, 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 an industry of outlaws and people not trying to be on the grid, right? Secret handshakes and yeah. codes. And, Nothing and, happened. I think <laughs> the stuff, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, everybody became Trump. You know, they're like, you know, I got a thing when I do a thing. And But like the thing is, you're right. As far as like a good like cannabis business, like uh, I, I don't know if you know. So like Shango, I know Shango by because I know a podcaster, also the starter, entrepreneur Shango Los. I always I asked him, I was like, hey, are you guys, is that your weed? And he's like, that's such a weird name to me. It was like it stood out, especially in weed. But like the like bringing someone in marketing, you know, someone who doesn't like per se not consume but like it knows how to navigate different fields you know there's professional avenues for each thing right specialized things that like you need more than just a gardener you, you know and even then sometimes it's a uh, uh this plant you know everybody's trying to bounce their head about like the best soil or uh, oh shit we got mites how do we treat this or whatever the case is right like you guys it takes a team it's not oh, yeah. just you know, and that's the whole point, really. It takes a team, and you have to bring some people with expertise. That Tom and I, when uh, we did a what's that, a green revolution here, there, uh, the, the guy running the, the quality lab here was like a, a PhD, uh, in their SOPs. It was, it was quite interesting to see like the actual, like, grown up way of establishing yeah. and doing a thing when you're making extracts and edible and or infused products. That is some technological crap. I mean, like, you know, who's yeah. your camera? Like who's your food chemist? You know, you're now you're getting into the FDCA compliance, not just this new stuff which may pass. You know, it was just uh, it didn't come up to a subcommittee vote, but Cory Booker uh, was one of the sponsors, and so now, like as we saw, and like we've been reporting on these types of stories for about three years now, and so we had a report on the the Moore Act getting out of committee, and then from a committee, then it gets some floor action, uh, and so is the CAOA going to get out of committee? before the election we'll see but at least it's history you know the first time the senate is now debated uh legalizing it so i think it's common i just don't know 
But that's just the Senate side, right? Like the whole parliamentary procedure. Reconciliation after that. Yeah. yeah. So you have the Moore Act. They've passed that a bazillion times. And so like if they pass this in the Senate, well, they both acted asked to legalize it. But then they have they aren't identical bills. And so it's interesting. Uh, One state is unicameral and they don't have the bicameral. It's just Nebraska. You just run for Nebraska. Nebraska just has the legislature. If, also, if, no good weed. And so, a, <laughs> you know, if there is a reconciliation, though, with the two, like the Morak and the Kaka bill, the only thing I would really like to see is just the taxes being limit, lowered, right? Like, that's right here. We already got states paying high taxes to, what, 25%. You know, the gardener has got to get screwed out of all this. You know, the farmer is, in, in my opinion. Because now it's an agriculture product. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a six-foot flourishing, beautiful, uh, you know, colas and whatnot. You might... Be like me, and I got a gram outside. It's been four months old. Like I literally am growing a gram. <laughs> so I don't know about that, Daniel. How do you uh, ensure quality uh, control when you're going into production with the girls? And by that, I mean the female cannabis plants. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, I, I was just taking. Um, actually, I had uh, the Heisman team, Ricky Williams, come through our facility the other oh, day, and I was nice. You know, it it really does start like our mother room is just impeccable. Um, I mean, every, every grow has something going on and, you know, it's just, if you, if you think you're perfect, it, that's when you're going to start falling behind, you know? And so it's perfect. like removing that yep. ego, always just being willing to learn and observant and then um, ensuring that the processes that you put in place that work, that you're documenting so then they can be repeated. Or if the person doing it, if he's gone, God forbid, you know, or takes vacation, that you can, uh, you know, have somebody step in and fill in that role uh, seamlessly. And so, you know, for our facility, it really starts in our mother room and a clone room. Like we, we don't, our mothers only, we only clone off them once. Um, they only are in the room for about 77 days. Wow. And so every cut we take is just a perfect cut. And then, um, you know, each room we even have a different mother for, whether even if it's the same strain. So it's you just have a mother for a room, wow. a mother that powers the flower room. That's just beautiful. Yep, yep. So each each room, like if there's a separate strain for, uh, um, or the same strain, different room, there will be. There's a different mom for that. For so it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have a, our internal quality um, assurance team. So they're doing in house testing for environmentals um they're doing pathogen testing within our our strains you know to make sure that we're not our plants aren't catching any viruses um and just you know ensuring that our our gene stock is as healthy as it can be is it like tally where he comes to each place and kind of like okay hold on (laughs) you know but see there's the thing that we when when it comes to quality we, we we talk about like all the bad shit, like you're checking for the best or, you know, pesticides and all that shit. But there's also the good side of things, right? Have you maintained that terpene level or the uh, tea, whatever it is that that components of the, the, uh, the cannabinoids, right? Are they at the because don't they drift after time sometimes? Oh, Maybe. yeah. Yeah. Um, within, you know, the moment you start cutting down your plant, terpenes will start evaporating. And so. What's you know, the most volatile of the terpenes? Very, very volatile. Some of the so the subtle terps, they're very volatile. They'll start coming off immediately. So it's that balance of removing that chlorophyll smell and removing the moisture, but in a um, in a manner that you're also then enhancing those terpene qualities. So, um, and that's actually what you know 
save the Terps. That's what Boveda does. They're uh, oh. they're awesome. Uh, they they you know they're a two way moisture control um, product that you can add um, either on a personal scale. So in your in your small jar. So if you get some herb from a dispenser that's dry, you can toss in one of your Boveda packs, and it'll. I like to put mine. Let me see here if I can. First, I'll break it so you can see the whole. I like to put mine in there. And so, like, you know, it's just right at the top of the jar. And then you put the Boveda. Have you seen their new product? Uh Uh-uh. What's that? Uh, It's built into the lid. Ah, built into the lid. Yes. Take it ahead of the curve. Very nice. So now brands can now, they can buy that, and then they can just package their product with the Boveda already in the lid. And then it's a nice jar for the customer afterwards. But then it, it it delivers it as fresh as possible. Like, I mean, putting one of them and maybe like nitrogen or something. So you have an inert gas as well. So nothing that's in there that can go wrong. And then it's just, well, what do you mean you guys didn't keep it temperature controlled? Why not? Let me see your SOPs. What do you mean you don't got any SOPs? What the exactly. heck's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, what's funny is that's, you know, we're talking about a smaller level. But you, Daniel, you're actually part of like a grand scale. Like you have Oregon versus Arizona talk about yeah. climate differences like the the grows yeah. themselves so yeah the, yeah there's no one one shoe fits all you know it's like you've really got to be adaptable um it's something that I've talked about with other growers and other people running quality departments at some some really big organizations and it's you know you're always asked that what's what's the perfect moisture content and you know there's there's ideal for each one, you know, in Arizona here, you got your, you're ebbing a little higher towards, you know, like a 0.65. So by the time you're, you know, by the kind of time the customer gets it, it's, it's still a nice uh, moist condition. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, water activity is a huge thing. Um, If your company isn't doing water activity testing, it's something that you should. Um, what do you mean about water activity testing? So it's 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 more it's 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 a basically a more accurate um, uh, water content reading of the product. Uh, so on a scale from one to zero, one being water and zero being void of water, um, microbials need a certain amount to be able to live, and so and that is like at about I think it's about a 0.63. and so if you're able to dry your product below that and maintain that, um, you know, you're, you're able to maximize the, 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 the moisture content, but then reduce the risk of having any microbials growing. And mold, right? Like, cause moisture yep. brings in so much just bad, like bugs and everything like living things and, and like also air circulation. I just can imagine these two grows just being so different though. Like Oregon, cause it's so humid up here that you must be working on circulation and, 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 and dehydration versus uh, like you said, Arizona, where you're adding moisture to the air, but you're trying to find that little sweet spot for both of them, right? Like, because at the end, you want to have the same product that's in Oregon and in Arizona. You know, that's the like the Absolutely. same cheeseburger, <laughs> like yep. McDonald's, right? Like, or that's the whole point of this. Stuff. I mean, yeah, like, your SOPs and shit. Yep, absolutely. You want to be able to like, if if there's that strain that produces that effect that you need, you 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 want to be able to go to a different state and buy that until we that's can, right. you know. Ship it across state lines, you know. When that and, and, and with that, it's twenty past the hour, which means that in uh, in New York, where it's legal, by the way, uh, it's four twenty somewhere. So we're going to take a quick break. Hey, everybody. 
We're back from a 420 somewhere break. If you're uh, looking for somebody to build your website for your dispensary, head on over to stamari.co. Stamari.co, we build websites for all sorts of things, including dispensaries. So that's our little commercial break that we do. This has actually been helping his business, you know, and then we have people like you on because I like talking about the plant and the law and like other people's experiences. Your business too. Media. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? How I was saying earlier, how this industry is, we're about hiding. That's why uh, Han Solo was a shitty smuggler, right? Because he was famous, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, you're you not going to be, a, you know, you don't know who the good ones are until like after the fact. Uh, but it's a whole new world. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And, no, and that's part of, you know, what me and some buddies are doing. You know, with cannabis, for me, it's always been bring, it, it's brought me together with my other stoner friends, you know. And, yeah. and some of us we might not have anything in common except for the fact that we enjoy cannabis. And right. so through this plant, you know, it, it's brought me together with so many different people. And um, it's, it's just something that, you know, during COVID it's been so hard, you know, you're, you're isolated mm-hmm. your own room. You're like, you know, so I've been having, we've been having touches online with all of our friends and, you know, kind of trying to grow this community Oh, Is that uh, what we have for your banner here? And for those of you listening in your cars at Cannabis Legalization News for our podcast, it's called Sesh with Friends. Is that uh, a podcast itself or tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so not not a podcast yet, but but currently right now, it started off just a couple dudes who just, um, we just, you know, it was a Friday, long week. We're like, hey, who wants to hop on a hop on a call and smoke some weed? And so we did together and we we're just, you know, smoke some good product, talk about what we were smoking, no agenda. And um, yeah, just had a real good time. And then from there we started it. Um, friends wanted to, you know, come along to the session. So we just started expanding that circle out. And uh, from there it just kind of took off and we're like, you know, I think we could turn this into a really awesome community of nice. people, like-minded people. So yeah, that's kind of what we're trying to build right now. What's the site you said was a three bros or earlier? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, sesh with friends is also a site, but, um, yeah, we're, uh, three good buds as well. We'll, we'll take you to that, to that site. Three good buds. Yep. All right. You guys want to do a, uh, stock news? I mean, I was trying to see if Shango is publicly traded. So let's, let's cover uh, something that was going on in the stocks this past week. And with legalization news uh, business section, one hedge fund manager is bullish on the United States cannabis stocks. And who wouldn't be after um, just getting drubbed for the past year? They're down about 70% year over year. And he thinks that now they might actually uh, rebound. But I was going to ask, is Shango publicly traded? I couldn't find its ticker if it is. And I I tried typing it in. Um, So, uh, so, you know, uh, in about January, we were um, purchased by a company called Green Rose. Um, oh. So, um, you know, they might be um, public. There's yeah, so many actually. layers of people yes. buying each other. Like, ease got There's going to be an immense amount of M&A, and I'm going to get in on that stuff. Did you know you're only allowed to own three craft grows in Illinois? Not sure if Shanker would like some, but, uh, you know. Well, the reason why I say there's so many layers because, like, Cureleaf, they're so big, like, a behind, but they're also, like, a, a union buster 
portion, right? Like they're 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 the bad guys. Like there's some actually good guys. I'm there's, sure there, there is the strip of management thought that uh, is anti-union, uh, and so like when you get up into management and ownership, there is a philosophy of anti-union in in certain corporate entities. I'm not saying in every corporate entity, but in certain corporate entities, yes. Uh, and and I really hope that because cannabis is a skilled art. Uh, it, much like brewing, and so like with beer, we just I just got back from Wisconsin. This is my first show back from Wisconsin. I was on vacation. I went to the land of the illegality. So it's like, no, I really don't want to take a call, bro. No, my motherland. Oh, your motherland. Very good. Yes, uh, agronomy is big in Wisconsin. It's big in Illinois too. Uh, but then you guys also have like timber and other like forestry products and and great things. But it's not legal. Uh, and and that kind of like upsets me because then you're you're just stuck there. Yeah, yeah. My brother's forced to drive the forty five minutes to South Beloit and hit up the uh, Sunnyside Dispensary. Yep, and I the ta- the gases were cheaper. But one of the things that Wisconsin has a shitload of breweries, and they're Wisconsin breweries, and their beer is distributed throughout Wisconsin. That is craft cannabis waiting to happen and i just find it so ironic that the tavern league in wisconsin and then the the gerrymandering in wisconsin prevents it from like it's so like i want to freaking law school there I, I i can't even work there you know i feel bad about taking a call and then i'm like guys come on medical at least you have madison what the fuck <laughs> yeah how weird is it going to be that every state legalizes before it barely happens, right? Till like, because honestly, I think that's what, how long it's going to be for a while, right? Every state, there's going to be activists and people who do a thing. But it's so funny, though, because it's sad because it shouldn't take that long. Because if anything, cannabis is like business. Like, Daniel, like you're, you're kind of like behind the scenes and part of the grown up part of things, right? Like when you're talking about smoking and hanging out with your friends, they're probably professionals and other doing other things just, but they want to smoke weed with their homeboy on the weekend. And, you know, Whereas you're like the business side of shit where like sometimes it's like, I, I wonder like, like, like a porn star, they're probably like sex is probably overrated at that point. Whereas you're cannabis, but business wise, you need legislation. You got to meet regulation. Oh, I failed crop. Oh, I mean, I got to pay another fine or fee for whatever, but at least you're not worried about going to jail. Right. Like at least right now yeah. at this point in time, but that's, it, that's great. I love that. You don't have to worry about going to jail. But you still do, you know, what the hell? I mean, it was, so I was working in Las Vegas and I was sitting in my, in the lab and I had 600 liters of distillate around me and my felony at a federal level. My my brother-in-law was in Minnesota and he got pulled over and had a empty cart. And because of a prior, they gave him a felony residue in the cart. And a month later it was legal medicinally in the state but But that's the thing like right now i'm in illinois and so that is kind of like uh with the exception of missouri which has a really happening medical market by the way uh illinois is an island it's iowa wisconsin indiana kentucky no medical nothing and so uh it's probably gonna be an island for a bit and those are gonna be some of the last states to actually legalize and actually and after they make it federally uh you know lawful and they regulate the product I think that it's setting up for a whole bunch of challenges at that state level. So the litigation to legalize it, I think litigation is going to be required in certain states. Uh, you know, legislation, ballot initiatives started it. Legislation's going on now. But eventually there's going to be states like Idaho and there's going to be states, well, Utah even has medical, but not great. Um, but there's conservative states that think that the plant is devil's lettuce for no good reason at all. And um 
we're going to have to like legalize it federally first and then yank them into the future. It's going to be one of those. Just yeah. like it happened in the 60s with um, in trying to desegregate schools. Be like, no, we're all humans. We should be together. It- <laughs> you know, and it's interesting to see what uh, Minnesota is doing to try to bypass getting it um, passed through the legislator latest, you know, to, to allow right. adult use in the state. Um, so that was a weird loophole. Talk about a wicked ugly. It's like, hey, as long as it's uh, hemp derived. And yeah. it's compliant. my friend just bought some edibles from a gas station. Well, up it's in a callback, like a, a callback to the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act at the top of the show, the big new bill that Schumer um, uh, put out. They would change the definition of hemp again. And the 2023 Farm Bill is coming. The hemp definition is probably going to change again. And so now they're putting the 0.7 at the Delta 9. And I'm like, 0.7, man, those gummies are going to get stronger. And then not only that, but um, if it's 0.7, now all the genetics are back. And so you can have a lot more availability than that strict 0.3. And then if it's 0.5, you had these new federal regulations where you can mix stuff into it but uh but that point three isn't that the like for for right now the limit is anything point three is hemp so people are doing that whole uh i mean as we do we do workarounds like ah you can't get me i just got here by driving that way not the way that you had the roadblock but like you know like here in washington state these some people they cause a controversy because they were driving changing uh cbd to delta nine uh, from hemp, right? And mm-hmm. you know, there's a chemical. There's got to be like a chemical process. You're not just like heating the shit out of this and and, and mixing it up, right? So it's, it seems to me sad that we're able to do this to work around something where you could just have the fucking plant. Like, <laughs> just start with the goddamn plant. If you start with the original, uh, we don't have to get this like hot dog of cannabis, yeah. right? It's so sad. Absolutely. Uh, but shout out to member Sam Quick. What's going on at the federal level? We were talking about the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act. It's the lead story. Uh, I think we might want to do some name that strand because there are 207 people that tuned in. Thank you so much. And then uh, if you're a member and you have some questions, uh, we'll try to answer them as we see them come in. Um, should we do an international news story or should we play name that strain? What do you think? Play strain. All right. Let's play name that strain. Then. We, have a, we have a bumper for this one. All right. You want to see uh, Miggy's head turn into a nug? There it is. Yeah. And so um, name that strain. That's the, the name of the game. Uh, you are no stranger to this strain, Daniel, I bet. But if but perhaps you are because it is a strain that is about 30 years old or more, uh, early 90s. And so this is one of those strains that I would almost call like heirloom. But then like with wheat, where does heirloom begin to you, Daniel? You I mean you have a lot of experience? What's your opinion on that? Oh man, yeah. I, so there's there's a lot of cool dudes doing some uh, work and kind of bring genetics, like some of the mm-hmm. uh, Northern Lights, Bubble Gum, some of those strains that you remember from back in the day. But mm-hmm. they've been crossed so many times now. You know, you get notes of them, but it's it's just not quite like it was. Um, you know, so I'm looking for, yeah, I look for like old school genetics like that, um, that has some history to it. And then, um, you know, a, a grower that I can trust that I know where the the genetics are, what they say they are. You know what, Maggie, go ahead. Cause I know something that you don't know. 
Go, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it's so weird genetics. I, know, I have a, a smuggler friend. Uh, he was part of one of the bigger busts in like the 80s. Uh, you know, you meet a lot of people. And then when you actually look him up and you realize like, oh, shit, this guy, even though he's crazy when I talk to him in person, I mean, he's a really sweetheart, nice guy. But uh, you know how it is. Hempfest type people, like festival people. But uh, my man's got like a suitcase full of like genetics, like seeds to like actual uh, uh, chunks of weed that he smuggled across because he had the, he was a cannabis connoisseur, you know, a lover. People love this plant for thousands of centuries, you know. So uh, I always thought it was kind of weird, but like now he's talking to like actual DNA genesis to try and see if like because you can reconfigure, you know, hopefully not Jurassic Park shit, but. You know, yeah. you know, but yeah, uh, and then you get you get you can identify like you know the terpenes that were in those strains, and then from yes. there you can kind of take other strains, and until you get that, even if it's not the same genetics, you get the same flavor. Effect, yeah, profile. yeah, it's that phyllo yeah. shit. So what was the same yeah, you say? It's it's pretty so, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, I just think it's amazing that Daniel's heads the nugget. Um, that's the strain. It's Northern Lights. And so, like, he not only named that strain, he picked it out out of the lineup. And then he started talking about it. And so we have a little uh, article on the origins of the Northern Lights cannabis strain. Uh, uh, and this is from Seedsman.com. Awesome. I'm sure you can check them out. Uh, but, yeah. that, was, that was the first strain that I started growing back in the day. So it's always, it's, right. I, it's one that I always go to. And so it was meant to be. Yeah, the, it says no other Indica plant besides the legendary G13 has accumulated such widespread recognition or fame as the Northern Lights Afghani. So an Afghani origin. And then it is like it's a real Indica. I mean, if I go back when I was in college half a lifetime ago, uh, the best weed had names. And so you would hear about Afghani. Northern Lights would come up sometimes. And that is, and so like those strains are from like 30 years ago or maybe even more. Um what do we refer to those as? Are those like those aren't heirloom strains, are they? Are they are they legacy strains? Um, you know, if like, uh, yeah, you fine. start getting into the, the, the genetic realm. Yeah, there's lots of different terms, but like it depends on you know how many times they've recrossed it back with themselves. Uh, it's it gets people get really into it. With, Couldn't you, you get to it? Like, but. In the United States, though, you'd have to also follow the history of America, right? Like, you have shit from Vietnam, you have shit from Mexico, you got shit from Canada. Like, this is like a, a mecca of, oh, like, yeah. 70s, like, like Tom would be saying, legacy cannabis, right? Like, mm -hmm. the people who say, like, oh, this is not your grandpa's weeds, no shit. Oh, no, was, yes, it is. Grandpa was certainly smoking weed in 1985. Seriously? I mean, come on. Like, Grandpa was still alive back then, for crying out loud. But the, the Northern Lights arrived in the possession of Neville Schoenmacher, that guy. We should try yep. to get him on the show. Is he still a... He's, he passed away a few years ago, but, but there is a dude on LinkedIn who is one of his friends. And so from... From their old story, like he retells the stories on LinkedIn and posts old cool. pictures. And nice. so he tells the whole genetic story of how they went from this Neville went around um, Afghanistan and Pakistan. And like he was some of the first people to get invited to these hash, you know, factories. And then he brought wow. the genetics. He found the, the first auto flower growing in the ditch driving through Siberia. And that's yes. our auto. The Russians. Oh my goodness. Damn. That's um that is how weird the plant is. Because then yeah. you have genetics of like, you know, Thailand as you get well really, really close in the equator, like where coffee's grown and stuff. 
But then you have the genetics of Russia. And like, you know, where winter is a minute and a half, you better make the yeah. most of it. Oh, no, not, not winter. Winter is all the year. Summer is a minute and a half. <laughs> you don't have very long. You can't photo period and veg out, you know. Well, and then soil too, right? Whatever these regional appellations or whatever you want to say, soil is a factor. Like you are what we eat. Oh, yeah. Like this, if, if you're like a plant person, you know. Yo, definitely. I think that'll be kind of like cannabis 2 or 3.0, like the way there's terroirs with wine, you know, there's going to be, there's like that upper Cali, that Humboldt, Emerald Triangle, like outdoor sun grown, like they've been doing oh, it for generations. Like, you yeah. know, when you're smoking good flour from there. And it's, I think there'll be specific regions once they can start shipping that flour around. And, oh, you know, I think it'll save California. I mean, like hey, you can't do it legally right now. And the price is where the price is but then if you could slap it on the side and it's the new napa valley and have international commerce and so a dispensary can make a buy from california and those regulations that are in this bills that we were talking about earlier in the show that's the way and so we're getting there it may be another five ten years but then chip yeah. it away well, well, yeah. like one of the things that i would recommend to the board of directors i'd be like guys i think we need to buy a hemp farm in uh, you know, Humboldt, California. Why? Well, because they're cheap and available right now, and we don't even need it. You know, like just buy yeah. it to have it's it. You right. know, what the hell? Yeah. So, what is the law like? What for for international? Like, couldn't what's to stop me from like being in a legal state, growing an acre full of weed, be good or bad, and then selling it to somebody in Colombia, and then like putting it on a boat and like what's once it goes to international waters? I mean, what's the law? What's the rule? Like uh, again, you have to remember. All of it is a federal crime. The medical aspect of it, let's say you were growing it pursuant to a medical license. If you're growing it pursuant to a medical license, there is no dollars in the bank of uh, the Department of Justice and the DEA to kick down your door and stop you. And you have a defense. That's the, the, the case out of uh, the Ninth Circuit, which is the West Coast, uh, called the McIntosh case from about six years ago now. And it's great. It's a great thing to have, a uh, great sword. But if you are growing pursuant to an adult use license, that does not apply. And so they could just shut you down. They could shut down the whole industry right now. And that, that really sucks. And they haven't changed that in the budget yet. Yeah, but international commerce, right? Because like uh, interstate commerce is obviously governed by the Fed. But like international, like, you know, if, if the other countries accepting it in like Mexico, Mexico is now illegal. They just don't have a infrastructure. Uh, what's to stop, you know, besides if I can get through the border, but like, what's the legality? Like if I did get caught going into Mexico with my weed to a legal country from a legal state like California, probably like you'd know. have to look at the prosecutor. So like who who's bringing the charges? I don't know what Mexico's laws are for bringing that mm -hmm. stuff into it. I know well, what pulling over, are. Pulling over you, the, the Well, guy. at the border, right? Like if, 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 if at the border, where's the trouble lay? Like, do am I in trouble as an American in America for being like a, a good businessman? Because that seems to be like with the cannabis yeah, industry, who they punish that, all the time. That's just a crime. Man. That's that's not even the gray market. That's just the. That's still supposed to be illegal. I mean, it'd be like if you're selling moonshine. You know, you don't have the permits to do it, so you can't do it. You know, but those permits, there should be a process to get them, uh, and there should be a, a way that you ensure the purity and the standards and the quality and the industry. And so, like, it can actually be Wisconsin microbrewing. You you just go, name a city in Wisconsin. There's a brewery in it. I mean, like, that's the nice thing about that. Do you know how many yeah. freaking cities in Wisconsin there are? Yeah. Fuckload, you know. Uh, and and that's only a population of six, seven million people. 
So it's like, do you know how many dispensaries and, and uh, cultivators there are in Colorado? Similar, you know, about 6 million people. Um, I don't understand why like Arizona does it how they do it and Illinois does it how we do it uh, because you could regulate it and then it's just going to be the Budweiser's and crafts. Yeah. You know? You're still, they're still going to be able to collect their tax money. Um, right. It just, it, you know, I, it, it, honestly, it's just, it's, a, uh, you know, the, the big boys, you know, um, ensuring the laws benefit them, you know, so right now. Yeah. And so like yeah. a lot in California, you know, they, 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 they manipulate the laws to allow the grows to expand to a lot larger sizes. And that's kind of what's set them in their, the current pay situation where all the smaller legacy farmers are they're they're losing money per pound. Um, and these big operators are, you know, they're okay with losing millions of dollars for the first five six years until everybody's out of business and then they'll start you know making a little bit that's where the MA comes from because they just raise all the money and so they purchase all the assets uh and i i still haven't gotten it done but uh, i will how much money does venture make that's going to be one of the youtubes that we're going to have so you know if you want to watch that you know don't forget to check out our how to cannabis uh uh, segment and it'll be there eventually but um you read the balance sheets of these companies their dispensaries lose money yeah, because of the federal laws. And so well, it, the industry is going to be very dynamic for the next decade. Are the bad MSOs winning because the consumer doesn't give a fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it because people buy weed? They don't have a, like, like for me, like, I'll buy cheap weed and still have an opinion of like, oh, this one not so good in my lungs or, oh, that was a great price point for whatever. But like, you know, the... The big game, like the comparison with the brewery model, right? So some breweries are like, yeah, a Budweiser, but then like Lagunitas, they're they're owned by the uh, the people that are working there, right? So this whole right. spectrum of business is covered. It's kind of weird, right? Like the greedy guy and and the people that, that can also like help in social equity and and, and just be a part of a community, you know? Yeah. And, and like you're saying, you know, I think there's a place for everything, you know. There will be some of these huge companies that produce, you know, a lot of mediocre product, and but it it'll be at a price point that maybe allows other consumers to consume on a more regular basis. Where like, but if we have these smaller operators doing these craft products, mm-hmm. where then you can, you know, let's say you can go to your local farmers market and meet that right. farmer and pick up a an eighth of weed from them and local or, or head to their farm there, and then you know you know yeah. enjoy product there and. And that's how you get that terroir stuff because you get the culture then at that local level and some strains are going to respond to the climate as it goes around uh, in a particular way and then people have their particular tastes and so america has a lot of different flavor profiles when you uh, get into it because it's a big place we should do that with our cannabis policies and it's possible to do if we regulate it right absolutely yeah yeah you know know, like brewery brewing was the same you know people they got worried that the craft brewers were going to ruin the ruin the market for the big people but you know they just everybody kind of found their place and some of the bigger people started producing a few better quality skews of beer now you know or to, they bought it they yeah. invested in it remember mcdonald's then they owned, no, they owned and chipotle. right hey, chipotle yeah. mcdonald's same freaking thing you know but it's it's just, we're, we're we're a consumer society you know like i don't if I can go through a drive-thru and get something real quick, I'd rather do that than uh, spend hours cooking. Especially right now, it's hot out here. But also, 
that's kind of uh, pretentious of me. I should be able to just make my own shit, you know? I should make someone else work in a hot kitchen for me. That's kind of weird. Sure. Hey, there's some international news. Yeah, hey. You want to go and do an international story out of Switzerland? Yeah. Poof. Their Independence Day is coming up, by the way. High Times is reporting that Switzerland's medical cannabis law goes into effect on August the 1st, which is news to me because um, back when I, I, I spent a better part of a year in Spain in 2004, um, there was a Swiss dude that we lived with uh, and he would smoke weed all the time. And, and so like I thought it was legal there for almost 20 years, but no, I'm wrong. Uh, evidently, it's just uh, recently changed. And so they're going to have medical cannabis in Switzerland starting on uh, August the 1st, which is tomorrow. But it's a nationwide medical program. That's pretty cool. Yes, yes, it is. BAG is an abbreviation for Bunderfund für Gesteit, uh, which I is not pronounced correctly, by the way, because I don't speak uh, uh, German nor Swiss, uh, or the Swiss Federal Office of Public Health. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah. As of right now, only 1% THC and CBD products and recreational cannabis is going to be illegal, but it's, it's, uh, they're going to raise that because uh, uh, it says currently. So I'm assuming after August the 1st, they will have uh, regular THC and 400 people. That's, that's it. That's, that's really strange. Purchase cannabis for regulational consumption in September, according to April 22. It's, it seems like a study. If you look at that, that yeah. you go back to that psychiatric clinic support bullshit. It's like, all right, mm -hmm. let's see if we let these 400 people uh, smoke all they want and we die. Yeah, they, they do that very often in the legislation. And so that's in the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act. You know, every time they change the law about this plant, they do studies. And so everybody needs to remember 52 years ago when they did it the last time and made it like heroin. They commissioned a study and they said, well, we're going to find out about it. We're just going to ban it now. And if we're wrong, we'll change. We'll clearly change our minds once we've read the data. No, Nixon just threw it in the trash. Here we are. And, and da pays Daniel's bills. <laughs> well, you know, do you, that's one of the things, like, I'm always kind of worried that I'm going to have problems with banking. Uh, being in the industry, have you experienced any issues uh, trying to have uh, uh, when I that? When I first, so I was coming from Minnesota. I, I was actually work. I was working for one of the largest brewing uh, co-processes in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, the old Heilman Brewery. So, oh, but, uh, but yeah. now they were brewing a uh, uh, little lower qual quality products. There was like Mike's Hard Lemonade, Schmirnoff, right. Four Loco. Zima. Right. Four Loco. Oh, oh my yeah, goodness. We, we, hey, would do a special run, we would do special runs at Zima. So you guys are trying to kill the city. <laughs> well, it was a big part of, you know, finally making my jump into the into the industry. And so that was in 2019. Um, I was still using my credit union in Wisconsin. And mm -hmm. so I went out to Vegas, I got my first paycheck and I was, I was living in my camper van that I'd rented to kind of make the transition happen. And I was down to last cents and the bank called and was like, we're not, we're not cashing this. This looks suspicious. And I'm like, no, it's, it's legit. Trust me. Like, <laughs> I've worked for this place. I'm out here. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, after like a couple hours, they they were able to cash it. And so after that point, you know, we've been good since then. And I yeah. still use it. Well, that's awesome that, you know, 
we got to legalize Wisconsin because uh, I think that they would have uh, a good regulatory scheme. And so maybe that's what I have to do. I'm going to write a regulatory scheme and I'm going to say, hey, Wisconsin, pass this uh, because I want to work there. (laughs) No, totally. Uh, My whole family lives outside Milwaukee. Like, I mean, I've got so many, so many connections within the state. And so it's like it'd be to be able to bring cannabis to like quality cannabis Mm -hmm. to the state would be so rewarding for myself just to be able to have your products lie in the streets. 3C Cannabis and shout out to to Nick Easley who runs that. Same thing. He's also a Wisconsin boy and he's like, eh. Uh, So like Wisconsin legalizes, there'll be some good stuff that goes there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You want to bring people back? Is it just heavy conservative? Is that what it is? I I don't know. it's, It's a bar culture. And so it's an alcohol culture. They very often have the rumors that the Tavern League runs the state. And if you ever go to Milwaukee, you'll say, like, why are these streets suspiciously wide? As if everybody who's driving on them is drunk. And uh, <laughs> Shit. Yes. And so, like, yeah. it's, a, it's an alcohol culture. Yeah. yeah. But the only state, I believe, where the first DUI is just a misdemeanor. It's a traffic infraction. Yeah. I know from experience. <laughs> I, I yeah. Unfortunately, well, Unfortunately, I was about a half a mile across the line. In Minnesota, oh, oh, oh Texas, that, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, America, America's an alcohol call. Like, Texas used to be like that. I mean, they used to. You, you, you uh, if the passenger had open container, it was okay. You know, so like if your driver's drinking a beer and he passes it off to you, you know, that's like. Or, or in Louisiana, drive through daiquiris; they'll give you a damn cup this no. big, and but they can't put the straw in it for you because that's encouraging. Oh, you to drink. That would yeah, violate. But that's the actual law. It's yeah. like what the fuck? This is stupidity yeah. of all this and, shit, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was I was brought to bars as a kid because I could drive. You know, when I was, I think it's like when you're 18, you could go to the bar and you could drive your the adults that were drinking too much home. Sure, oh, that's the thing, right? We we grew up in this area, but yet cannabis has always been this evil. Like, are, are you guys think that maybe it's the the bartenders and all these other afraid of losing their money? Because like again, it's all about my. My shit, my dollar, right? We we can't have that shit legal here because then everybody's gonna stay home and, and smoke weed and play video games. Like that sounds amazing. <laughs> what the fuck? Yep. They'd, they'd, be dealing, they'd be dealing with a lot less drama at the bars. I'll tell you that. They would society. Yeah, a lot less drama. Um, you know, society would chillax and and get better. But we have a we have a story from a former guest of the show, Craig Cecil. And so he has written an op-ed in the Marijuana Moment. Uh, new federal marijuana legalization bill leaves his former cellmates in prison. And so a uh, guest of the show, uh, Craig Cecil, and I kind of like wish that we'd be able to employ him in the Illinois industry. But he's mentioned on his uh, show when he came on that he might not be uh, eligible to operate in the industry because of this intermingling with firearm charges uh, and then cannabis charges and how that has impacted numerous people that are behind bars that that kicker that because it was illegal and so you're dealing in a cash product illegally yes you're going to have guns I'm not going in there naked, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go, hey, here's $50,000, here's the weed. Okay, what do you mean you don't have a gun? And of course somebody does, you know, but it, uh, unless you like hired Blackwater, you know, that would have been smart. Like, why didn't the criminals hire another criminal organization and pay them so they had that third party? Be like, I didn't have the guns, Blackwater did. Shit. 
But that's part of why the justice system is so messed up, too, because the charges are layered. You know, we, we can not really find the people who are all arrested just for weed because all the other stacked up charges, because that's not what they do. Like, we're really going to get you. Not only did we get you with the weed, but we found all we're going to get the Rico and all the other shit. Uh, did you guys see the uh, the one article the other day about like the advertisements uh, bill being passed or some shit? We're that's a good one. But let's first uh, give ahead, a shout out to these 220 uh, federal marijuana prisoners that Craig Cecil is currently in correspondence with, uh, and big props to him. And I want him in the industry in Illinois. I don't like that he. They, well, let's try to see if we can get him on a license or like employed by it. He said that he wasn't able to get a job in the industry. And so now he's still fighting to have these people released and, and communicating with them. And it was that usage of the firearm charge. And so like, if this stuff's commuted uh, or expunged, that doesn't affect that gun charge. And so like, you're still in there on a felony and they use the weed to ensnare you. And then that now they're going to make it legal, but you have these other ones that are keeping you there, you know? So, you know, he's free. The other charges still sit on him or there's, they stick or whatever uh, no i thought he would i don't know we'd have to ask him again or i'd have to go watch the episode that we did with him again yeah no that's just that's just nuts though i, I just but i mean it's uh i don't know i'm high <laughs> <laughs> shit man uh yeah well uh <laughs> All right, Daniel, what else would yeah. you like us to know about <laughs> the uh, the industry or, or the Terps? Well, well, you know, let's see. Uh, the Arizona industry is uh, really clipping along. Um, you know, there's a lot of other states where the market's... Limited kind of, market. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the market's doing really good right now. Um, there's a lot of growth, a lot of brands looking to come in. Um, mm-hmm. There's this uh, monthly event, um, networking event. It's called Mita. Um, I usually attend. There's people flying in from all over the country to, to attend these events. Um, this last month, uh, last last week, Wednesday, there was over 800 people there on a, on a Wednesday night. And so um, they're just, they're pretty, pretty happening. And just, uh, yeah, you, you did meet a lot of people within the industry. And like I said, brands are coming in. So you're going to meet all these other people from other states and kind of see their products, check out what they got going on and kind of stay on the pulse of what's going on in this state, at least. Are you seeing more uh, uh, events happening now? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's Arizona. There's a few. Um, we're able to cons- consume at a bunch of the events. Um, so that's that's kind of been unique for me um, in Nevada. It's always like, you know, you got to go outside and wow. you can still go out there. But um like these events, there's like a, a patio connected to everything. And so you're able to, to set up dab bars out there and everyone's handing out joints and their products. And so you're able to consume and, you know, actually experience the product instead of someone just handing you a bunch of marketing swag. You're yeah. not used to that. The, the, the exchanging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and then, and then the, uh, there's that. a few uh, competitions like the Earl cup is another big one in the state. And so that brings in a ton of people, um, Every brand is just kind of handing out, you know, giving out dabs, giving out flour. Um, so it's just a, a nice, happy event. That's really awesome that you're able to do that and that your regulators, the regulating scheme in Arizona is a different mindset than the regulating scheme in many other states. Uh, they want regulatory ease. They want to make it easy for you to comply. They know you're wealthy and adequately capitalized. They know that it's a limited market. They know that you're a business person. That's it. 
you know, and it's it's like the check the box type of like the the Arizona application was the easiest, most difficult application to do. You just had to fill out like four pieces of paperwork and have all the real estate and money. Yeah, that's yeah. only all you have to have. <laughs> that was it. It was it was a simple trick. You know? yes. <laughs> you have to have fifty million dollars, and that's it. You know, um, you know. So it's it's fascinating, but I'm glad that they're doing well. Uh, we have some stories from some other states that I don't know how they're doing, but Michigan's wholesale marijuana flowers prices are plummeted. This came out a couple of days ago, and they're saying that it's now on the wholesale market less than a grand. Have you seen this type of uh, price depreciation in uh, many states or just the the non-limited market states, Daniel? Uh, I know Nevada. Um, one of my uh, friends is just coming from. He's a director of sales up in Nevada, and he was saying um, eight hundred to a thousand in Nevada. So it's it's going down up there pretty quick. So man, eight hundred to a thousand a pound. What is their like? That's wholesale. What are they growing it for? If that's premium indoor, are they getting that sub five hundred? You know? Yeah, I mean it's it's not good. It's, uh, right. You're you're shaving, cutting a lot of corners to uh, keep ends meet, <laughs> keep the lights on. You know, so well, it depends on how or who because we've heard in California there's some like four hundred dollar pounds, and I think that was Ed Rosenthal who said that. So like when when Ed said he's gonna get a four hundred dollar pound, but I see there's that whole like underground market still of people we don't know, and you know the Fed if they get wind of somebody's bullshit, they they all of a sudden are mad at you because you're not paying your taxes, and how could you when this thing's been illegal for so long? You know it's it's outrageous, but I'm cool that you you are finding a way to be uh, existing in this uh, industry uh, industry. Uh, I guess it's kind of like mainstream, right? Like what you're in or what you what's trying to create, even though every state doesn't have it. There is the cannabis industry, which is like the alcohol industry or any other potato. Broccoli, I don't know. They grow potatoes in Wisconsin. Oh yeah, quite a bit. I almost and you know I almost got stuck working at a giant potato plant uh, while I was waiting to get my job out here. So thank I God. Drove past it. That's I would have been, I would have been right there in the, the middle of the mitten, right in the yep. Stevens Point. I learned how to make That's vodka. Exactly where it was, <laughs> because my kid had decided to unload itself, uh, you know, in there, and so we're like, yeah, got to pull over and change that one. Stevens Point, Wisconsin, Point Brewery. Like, yeah, it was just really, it really demonstrates the process. If they did it and they regulated it in such a way, somewhere, some middle ground, because uh, like we were just talking about one state where it's unlimited. Here's another one where it was unlimited, but in Oklahoma, they're going to stop issuing licenses tomorrow on uh august 1st so now that's a limited market state for the thousands of people that have a license yeah, yeah. well it's because the state's realizing now we can make more money by this existing entity right like when you, daniel when you're talking about smoking and exchange in arizona what's the law like out there like here in washington state one of the oldest states that had legalization it's still taboo right like it feels weird to me like sometimes to like uh like sometimes I do go to an event and it's still like a, an agreed relationship with the, the place that this is like a party, right? Like, you know, at any time cops can raid most of the shit that happens because it's kind of like federal legalization. Like anytime the fun police can show up, right? And for sure. And have real yeah, effects. And so in Arizona, there's usually a delineation between if there's alcohol at the event, there's you have to go outside and in another door 
to go to that space. Um, and so, you know, there's obviously ways around that. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, for the most part, the events will, they'll, they'll be specific. They'll like, it'll be a coffee shop or, you know, that'll shut down, uh, early on a Sunday and they'll open back up for like a comedy hour where you can bring in your own product, smoke joints and, you know, smoke your product and have a, an adult afternoon at a comedy hour at the coffee shop. And the compliance aspect of this, because of the the different mindset that the regulators in Arizona have versus other states, is like, well, regulatory ease, do you have a permit for them to get? Do they need to obtain a permit? Is this a temporary type of license? How does that work at the municipal level? Is it fairly open? Um, you know, um, I'm I'm not certain on that aspect, but you know, like I, I think it's just, um, I, yeah, I think it's when you're applying for the event, you're able to kind of like, you know, if you're going to have cannabis consumption, you kind of designate that area. And then I think it's usually as a matter of just, you know, bringing in the brands to bring in the product. And as long as they're um, licensed facilities, you're you're good to go. Because as far as I know, I think it's Michigan's the only one that has a, a, a for you to oh, they have an event it. permit. It's beautiful. And so yeah. like a lot of Michigan cannabis lawyers, they're just filling out these temporary permits all the time. Like, boy, we need one of these. This would be fantastic. But, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. Cool. So how long have you been working in the industry? Yeah. So, well, I started, I started growing back in college, back in, man, it must've been like 2004, 2005. Um, started growing for some family members who had some health issues. Um, and really that's when kind of the relationship with the plant changed. Um, and, uh, 2019 is when I finally got my foot in the door at a, a facility in, uh, Las Vegas. And so, um, yeah, it was Nevada's biggest cultivation and production, um, facilities. And so, yeah, it was a great place to gain experience with working with, um, I was mainly on the production side, um, and so working with CO2 extraction, hydrocarbon extraction, an ethanol nice. lab. So, like, we could basically do anything and everything, and I got to play around with copious amounts of cannabis. So, it was pretty mm -hmm. awesome. You got to spin, uh, what do they call it, spinning straw into gold? Um, and pretty much. Pretty cool. You know, and every day, it's, it's, it's tough. It's not like we're just, you know smoking a bunch of weed every day although sometimes we get to do that um mm -hmm. but it's a lot of you know you're there aren't systems in place and so you're literally creating them and you're building them from the ground up and so it's it's a lot of work sometimes it's a lot of um you know doing other people's work too and making sure everybody's on the same page um and then with my experience you know i had i worked in kind of quality laboratory settings for 10 years before coming into cannabis. So bridging that gap between the C-suite where they might not have that cannabis knowledge and then um, kind of the entry-level workers that don't have that food safety um, GMP sort of background. So it can kind of bridge the bridge the gap there. Yeah, you're like the working man part of the, the scenario here. What, uh, uh, so is it just, it's not just flour then you also make concentrates, uh, right? Yeah. Down, currently. Yeah. We do, we do uh, live rosin and then we do uh, a bunch of pre-rolls from your grow or is it outsourced? Yes. Nice. Yep. From our grow. Yeah. We've got one, an extractor that does some amazing live rosin. Um, he won first place last fall in, in uh, the Arizona high times, um, cup challenge. So that was, I think is alien cookies. Uh, nice. 
because yeah, I mean, okay. a strain that I have not yet grown. That would be um, fun. Yeah, that's one of the problems: the access to the genetics. Uh, and that, but then the more get in the industry, uh, and so it, people ask me this, and I'm, I'm not really quite sure yet. Uh, but I'll figure it out because like, the industry is getting here, and now there's there's so many licenses that are are getting started in Illinois. Uh, you have your your genetic stock. How do we bring in new stock? Can I just buy some seeds? It's, some uh, we, we call it we call it miraculous germination. I love that. I love miraculous germination. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of the same when um, when Virginia was there. They had a Democratic governor in there, and he. They, so they had medicinal and recreational was going to be it's coming online in 2024 and but he allowed anybody to possess up to an ounce and grow up to four plants but how you get those plants and you know you'd have to break the law to be able to acquire them so it was this you know mm-hmm. not looking at your, you're getting your genetics and and then you know the laws are kind of ridiculous. If you grow four plants, you're going to have more than an ounce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love how ridiculous the laws are. It's like, do these legislators even know what they're talking about? Yeah. But it's not. Is it like this about everything? Could you imagine if the legislature is this bad, not just on cannabis, but like everything is this bad? Yeah. Think about that. That might be what's happening with taxes and healthcare and. Everything the government's doing. I mean, it, it just, it's a long and arduous process, right? First, it was the fear mongering and then the, the, the scary tactics and then the science. It's all about the science and we need studies and more studies. And now in 2022, it's like, how many if it's studies? How stupid are you? Like, what did, you know, this is just, you know, who, just lying to yourself at this point to, to say there's anything about this plant that needs to be like extra regulated. But, Right, you know, until the the fear mongering about the psychosis. You can do it with breweries. Yes. You can do it. The thing is, like, I went to a grocery store. It was a Hy-Vee, because you need to buy food and stuff. And so, um, the the Everclear was on the the last level. It was like bottom shelf in the alcohol aisle, which was just right next to any other aisle. It wasn't like you had to get restricted access to go. A child could go by Everclear and just not even have to bend over to pick it up. It's right there at their level. And then they'd have to reach if they wanted the whipped cream flavored blue dyed vodka, you know, and that's okay. And that shit will kill them. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It it is. It is. It's just like you have no idea what you're talking about. So wow, how some places are still, because you guys are still in an alcohol dominated area, right? Like even though we, Tom and Lisa, you guys, passed the law mostly and then got stuck in its lawsuits you know uh you know we lock up all alcohols pretty much locked up one of the first things stolen first but also the culture you know they don't mind you know going and say hey can i ask for that behind the counter or whatever right like but yeah why can't i have like uh infused gummies shaped like little bears here we can't have them have those shapes like it's all about the children fuck that argument as long as you have cotton candy fucking vodka yeah, no, which yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so like I bought some Ukrainian vodka a couple of weeks back because you know support the, their economy to a certain extent, right? I mean, I guess we can just write somebody a check, but God knows where that money's going. Uh, and because it's from Europe, they have regulations regarding how much alcohol can actually be poured out of the bottle, and so it has like this little uh, stop pour. 
on oh, it. Yeah. And so you, you, like, you can't just open it up and then just start sloshing the vodka into your glass. But if you go buy a bottle of American-made Tito's, you can. And so it's like, okay, um, what? You know, like, why are these regulations like this? They make no sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's there's I've I've noticed just a kind of a Frankenstein approach in some states where they've just oh these look good this looks good and just kind of taken bits and pieces from other states and there's whole big areas that are just there's just no compliance or any information about what's going on um, you know like Nevada like production lot sizes are super restrictive but then you come to Arizona and you can grow one strain in a room and that's that's one production lot. You know, and so like, and the variability yeah. could be super great be, between that room, but you only have to send in one sample for testing. So that's awesome. So the, 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 the but that's, that's Arizona again, like it's regulatory ease. Uh, yep, it tested. Uh, but then if anything goes wrong and if it comes back, uh, probably then maybe it face something. Yeah. Uh, then, then everything's bad. <laughs> everything's bad, but you're already a millionaire. And so they're just going to say, give us another million dollars and don't do it again. Okay. There you go. Uh, it's one of those, but um, I don't know. I, I think that what's kind of rolling out in New Jersey may be able to set up like a, a Wisconsin style brewery culture because they just or, or New Mexico or maybe even in Oklahoma before they shut it down tomorrow. You have the ability to own your own production. So if you could recapture it on the dispensary end as well, and they have those license types like in New Mexico, it's the micro grower or some micro business. 200 plants now and then you can also retail it uh so having that ability or like in colorado's old days i think you had to have like a 70 30 split so you had to like sell 70 percent of your product that ability to also capture retail you think that would help uh prices or or, or the industry at all daniel yeah I, th- I mean i think if you have when once you start to have the ability to spread out and people have that choice you know it's it's going to start you're not it's not just going to be a race to the bottom but then you're going to have a whole diversity of different products and people fitting into different niches within the market allowing people to have just a greater selection so i think it'll it can only benefit the consumer oh for sure do you think like at the in the end though all of this separation of all the different states and little fiefdoms the price points no matter what are going to reach probably almost the same platitude right like there's going to be a point where Everybody realizes, yeah, I can survive off this many plants with this kind of grow and, 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 and create this kind of income. But then, like, you know, with that with that craft uh, perspective of running a business, you know, you can like, OK, they'll start small. Then, like, you invest or, and get bigger and whatnot. But at the same time, when it's federally uh, uh, legal, I mean, I think, number one, descheduling was going to have to happen first. And then the infrastructure is going to happen. Right. Because each state's going to still. Well, first, the federal is going to be like, all right, here are the GMP standards, because probably the cacao part of that bill they'll take. You know, maybe that will get through. Uh, but what do you think, Tom? Will the more actin in the cacao bill be emerge, or can there be a, a negotiation between this yeah. one that passed in the Senate? It just and may take another two to four years. It may two to six years, let's say. And so, if it's already passing routinely in uh, the, the Congress, you know, so like the House of Representatives and the MORE Act, and it's now being in committee in the Senate, you know, it's a bipartisan issue. 
And so it's going to be like, what does it look like at the end before both people have passed it, both sides of the aisle have passed it and then go to the president's desk? And then does the president say, I want this? And the president's not saying he wants it. Well, I don't yeah. think this, any of them will ever, I mean, that's a big no, thing that, to say. The thing. Like the, he, the president said he wanted, and he just got a lot of legislation through. He wanted to build back better or whatever the heck. And eventually it was like, you know, a third of the size, but that just gone through. And then, so the budgets are moving and he, he got some stuff, but it was not on his agenda. He didn't say, let's legalize this, you know? No, I get that part, but yeah, it, again, I think federally or statewide, it's going to happen first before uh, there's a sweeping federal. Yeah, maybe, maybe even a, like an intercommerce state law that would pass to allow a little bit of uh, business between states that you know butt up against each other. We're Which is silly though, because this is like you said, bipartisan. And I even hate that word. It's the most American policy thing that can help influence and change uh, a dynamic of like our society you know i mean i i there's not many laws that can affect a, a gamut of citizens at once right this and like the abortion thing at once right how many people's lives are already now screwed over because that shit got pulled back but now with legalization we're slowly getting more than what we had before you know and each state i think is realizing like the apocalypse hasn't happened in any of these states like the whole fear mongering thing is that right? Like, you know, we can't have it because what about the children? Well, wait, I do have alcohol in the house. I mean, like common sense just dictates that this plant is not the thing that people are been told about or whatever. Right. So scary. Yeah, we got where we're at. No, I know, and and you know, I think you know, it's. I think being in the industry, you know, you, you always, we want so much more, but just did, you know, when I take a step back a little bit, it's, it's pretty awesome to think, you know, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, I had, my parents were harping on me, you know, you're going to ruin your life by, yeah. you know, you know, if you ever get caught doing this and now I can, right. you know, now I'm, you know, uh, you know, you build you guys. I'm, I'm online, you know, I'm every day I'm posting pictures of what I do and just trying to normalize this plant because you know, like, like growing up in Wisconsin, like coming home and having a cocktail was a normal thing. You know, I mean, it was. Oh, it's about five o'clock, you know. Well, actually, you know, it's more on the Minnesota side. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just adorable watching them talk. And I should refer to them like that. They'll call me a fib again. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good time being up in Wisconsin. And thank you for like, you know, coming and, and speaking with us for over an hour. Um, to wrap it up, uh, where can we get in contact with you? Is there any, oh crap, we're getting spammed by um, uh, somebody that is, uh, we get spammed. And so I'm like, kind of like watching the, uh, somebody blocked it, watching the live chat. So uh, the spammers are here. There's porno links being shared on, on our channel for no good reason at all. They're back. Uh, yeah. Gosh darn it. And uh, so anyway, um, uh, what yeah, do you, you want to share with people? Um, I'm usually I'm usually on LinkedIn. Um, Daniel Crawford, uh, Daniel Crawford 420. If you're looking me up, um, but posting a lot about just the industry, good vibes, just uh, community uh, things that we got going on within our own facility, and then um, the greater industry. You know, with this my my group of friends here that we're doing these online sessions with friends, um, just really to grow that community and just. Um, provide a safe space for us all to, you know, share our cannabis ideas um, without, you know, getting our 
content or our profiles taken down. <laughs> so yeah, LinkedIn's um, been good about that. Um, they really have been. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I'm. Um, would would love to connect with any anybody in your community. Um, it's just been a great uh, conversation here today. Yeah, that no, has been fun, dude. Thanks. All right, I want to give a shout out to our members. Uh, remember, we're only doing these once a week now, and so that might also be why more people tuned in. But we said it was federal legalization. Either way, uh, I'm glad a lot of people tuned in and checked it out. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Oops, oops, oops.